is another uh, Boba News Chat. I'm Mike Opperman, and I'm here with Lance Zimmerman, who is... Uh, Lance, tell me your title. Yeah, I'm the Director of Research and Protein Market Analysis for Cattlefax. Well, uh, good morning, and uh, welcome to a Boba News Chat. Yeah, thank you for having me. Lance, uh, I know Cattlefax, we're here at NCBA convention. I know Cattlefax came out with their annual report on the beef industry yesterday. Can you give us a few highlights on that? Yeah, um, every year we... Uh, have a large session at convention where we give our market outlook for essentially not just the next year and what's going on in the U.S., but really try to look out ahead the next several years and what's going on, not just domestically, but on a global front uh, for the cattle producers in the, the audience, beef participants, um, producers, further processors, uh, even those folks that they're just simply concerned about what are the grain and energy markets going to be doing over the next year. So, um what does it look like from a kind of a beef demand uh, or beef price standpoint going into 2022? Uh, it's an excellent question. I think as we look at what's going on in the marketplace today, um, how demand reacts over these next 12 months, 24 months in the U.S. is going to be critical. Um, we've obviously all gotten used to a lot of change since the pandemic. Um, and obviously we hear a lot in the news cycles about inflation and beef's not immune to that. Um, you have a consumer who still has a lot of cash around them uh, and is doing really well. And ironically, as we went through the pandemic, uh, we had to refunnel a lot of high quality beef product from food service whites tablecloth establishments to retail. And uh, retail didn't want to give that up in the last year. They liked having the prime product, the CAB product, uh, these higher quality items that they didn't usually have exposure to before. And so as food service came back online, retail said, that's great, but we want ours too. And the consumer paid the bill and they were fine with it. And so we're talking about retail prices today that are $7 a pound on average. Um, and as cattle supplies continue to tighten probably over these next couple of years with the contraction that the herds went through, those retail prices are going to stay very well supported. So beef demand's good. We're a little concerned if the money runs out for the U.S. consumer, do they have some pushback? Um, but I think the beef industry's done a great job of illustrating that they're expensive, um, but for the consumer, it's worth it. What about on the other side of the ledger, um, feed costs? What, what are we looking at in terms of you know corn, corn, soybean prices going into 2022? Oh, man. Yeah, that's one of the critical concerns for cattle producers right now is the drought uh, and what that means for feed and forage costs uh, across the industry. Uh, as you look at the corn market today, uh, and even the soybean market to a lesser extent, domestic supplies are adequate. But what we learned very quickly over the last year and a half is these are global grain markets and China is an aggressive buyer and the global corn and soybean supply is tight right now. And so as we look at it today, you, know, you got corn futures prices sitting here in the low $6 range. Uh, and I would tell you from that low $6 upwards to the high end of the $6 range is kind of where it be where corn mostly trades probably throughout this next year, just simply because the market needs to ration that supply. Ration it among energy users who are using it for ethanol, ration it among export partners who are wanting to bring that product in, and keep livestock producers um, tamp down that demand a little bit there too. On the soybean side, honestly, all these grains are kind of flowing together. Uh, that international message reeks uh, supreme there as well. And so, whether it's wheat, whether it's corn, whether it's soybeans, we're gonna be trading towards the higher end of our range just to ration all the demand that exists there globally. 
So speaking of globally, where do we stand from kind of a global demand standpoint and how is that going to impact prices in the U.S.? From a beef perspective, right. yeah. Um, we saw record exports this past year on top of record exports the previous year. Um, we're basically today exporting uh, anywhere from about 12 to 15 percent of our production uh, overseas. And it's really mind-blowing. Uh, and I'll kind of come full circle with this discussion. Um, the U.S. beef cow herd today is only a million head higher than where it was at the cycle lows before this last expansion we went through in 14. Um, fed cattle slaughter today and total cattle slaughter today uh, would have to fall 5 million head to reach the levels we were from a slaughter perspective at those previous lows. Um, the per capita supply at that point though would only be 50 pounds per person. Back in 2014, at the previous cycle, those per capita supplies were 554 pounds per person. So the difference of that four pounds is export growth. And we're sitting here today, pork's obviously a major export market, poultry, another major export market, but beef producers are having to get more and more comfortable with the idea that my consumer's not just here. It's also north and south of me. It's also overseas. Um, and that, that opens up great potential, uh, but it also opens up uh, new challenges to production, new challenges to traceability. And the U.S. producer is up for those challenges, but it, it changes the market dynamic. If we're going to expand this market, much like pork and poultry did, some of our best opportunities are not just domestically, but abroad. Yeah. So do higher prices kind of risk that global demand or is there a fear of that? It certainly can. Um, what we've found is uh, as Australia has gone through a major contraction because they were dealing with drought and now they're going through a major herd expansion is it's opened up a lot of opportunities for U.S. beef. And our product is still very unique in the global marketplace because it's a high marbled corn fed product in a global marketplace for beef that usually has very lean grass fed product. And so as we have gotten more doors open to us as Australia and New Zealand were rebuilding, um, people have developed a taste for U.S. beef and opened up new opportunities for us. And as these economies continue to grow, these consumers have been willing to buy. And I think the perfect example, that's China. Obviously, with the previous administration in D.C., we gained new beef access directly to China that we never had before. You naturally gravitate towards the awful items, tripe, tongue, hearts, livers. But what you don't realize is we're sitting here in the U.S. today with a brisket market that in January is at over $4 a pound. And one of the key reasons that is, is because China is also a major buyer of briskets and chuck rolls and some of these whole muscle cuts um, that we have competition for in the past, but not from China. And so it's amazing how some of these markets have developed and they're willing to pay for product that the U.S. consumer would consume as well. So it sounds like 2022 will be a solid year for beef producers if we can keep that demand solid. That's exactly it. That was one of our key messages yesterday was demand is good. We're doing the right things there as long as the economy holds up. Um, we know we have tighter cattle supplies coming because we've been contracting the cow herd over the last three years due to the drought that we've seen in the West, due to price volatility and supply challenges that we saw through the pandemic. Um, those are going to underlie this or under underpin this market and allow it to really find a lot of support going forward. Well, great, Lance. Really appreciate your insights. And it's been Lance Zimmerman, and this has been another uh, Boba News Chat.